December being the main signing period right now in high school recruiting, January has turned into kind of what is spring recruiting for coaches going out and being able to get a head start on next year. So that's what we've been been doing since last week. Uh, it opened up on Friday, I believe, last week. So we've been out every day. Literally just came from a high school that I walked out of about 45 minutes ago. And uh, I've been out all week, Ohio, Georgia, Richmond, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Got some great prospects. I'm going to a ba basketball game tonight to watch a fantastic football player play basketball tonight. Got two uh, days of just high school prospects that will be visiting campus the next couple days. And then we're out the next two weeks as well. So busy time. Uh, for us and a lot of really really good things going on uh, while you guys are here are two you know new coaches it's my job as the head football coach to always evaluate everything that we're doing in our program uh, year after year and looking at how we can be better and that's not just the 10 assistant coaches that's every department in this building including myself and that's what I did, starting with the end of the regular season and trying to be very thorough on, on everything. And you're looking at it, is it something where you need to make a change and dismiss someone, or is it something that we need to be better at? But the best way for us to be better is with continuity and continuing with the same people as well. Uh, we've made a, you know some of those moves that guys that are here today, and there's other things, conversations I've had that you know maybe aren't public knowledge uh, as well, but feel like we've done done the things that we need to do to continue to move this program forward, and we need to be better. There's no question about it. Uh, with Markwell Blackwell, uh, when we made the decision to make a change at running back. Uh, at the running back position, certainly wish Montario Hardesty well and thank him for everything that he did for our program during his time here. Uh, but felt like we needed to, you know, uh, be better in some areas without a doubt. And, and Markwell uh, checked all the boxes from what we were looking for. Uh, proven recruiter. He has been a coordinator at the college level as well. Was a fantastic quarterback uh, in college himself. Has been a coordinator, like I said. Um, did not know him before this process at all. Knew of him, but had never met him in my life until we interviewed him. We interviewed uh, three guys in person for this position, uh, myself and, and Coach Loggins and some of our other staff members, and uh, really excited about his ability to recruit, his ability to coach his position, and then his ability to manage the room. And when I say manage the room, that's – uh, retaining your roster. That's recruiting new players uh, to your room, that running back position. It's uh, handling issues in that room that don't need to make it to my office as well. Uh, that's what I mean by managing your room. And he's an experienced guy that I think will do a great job from that. Again, talked to a lot of, you know, th three people in person and other guys on the phone as well. But he's someone that came highly recommended from a lot of people that I, I trust and respect in this profession. And I think he'll do a great job. Uh, in so many areas here as well. Has Florida ties, being from the Tampa area and being a high school coach down there originally also that can help us as well. Uh, James Coley, when A&M made the decision to dismiss Coach Fisher, I knew right away that James was somebody that I wanted to try and get into our program here at South Carolina in, in some way. Um, I'm not the only head coach that felt that way because James had other choices out there, one that I know of in the SEC and one that I know of in the ACC. 
uh, that were pretty significant positions uh, as well. Uh, and it's because of the kind of coach and the kind of person he is. I did know James from our time together at the University of Georgia. I had coached against him when he was at the University of Miami and I was at Virginia Tech. He was the offensive coordinator at Miami and he was at Florida State with Coach Fisher. So knew a lot, I uh, knew of him, had never met him until we went to Athens together, but we came into Athens together, both hired about the same time uh, in 2016 for that season and Kirby's first year in Athens. So we came in together and I saw firsthand what he's about. He's attractive to me from his experience in so many different areas. He's coached quarterbacks, he's coached receivers, he's coached tight ends, he's coordinated offenses at the college level. He's been a high school coach in South Florida. He's coached in the NFL. Uh, I saw what he did with, our, with the receivers at the University of Georgia in our time there uh, as well. So we spent two years together and then I left and went to Oklahoma and then he carried on also. And then what he was able to do at Texas A&M also from a coaching and recruiting uh, standpoint. So I think he's somebody that will, I know he'll, he's somebody that um, will make us better on and off the field as will Mark Well. I like being able to add uh, two guys into our offensive staff room that have been coordinators at this level also. I think uh, sometimes that, that head coach position can be a lonely position and offensive coordinator can be a lonely position as well. When you're on those headphones during games and Dow's asking if anybody has suggestions or any ideas and it's crickets, that's not a good feeling. I'm not saying that was the case last season at all. What I'm saying is I don't think you can ever have too many guys that have sat in that chair that Dow's sat in, kind of the way that I feel about Pete Limbo and guys here that you know have been head coaches as well. Because you never you never really know what it's like until you're in that chair. We've hired two guys that know what it's like to sit in that chair that Dow is in right now also. When we brought in uh, James and made him the receivers coach, that meant that we made a move with uh, Justin Stepp from go to go uh, from receivers to tight ends. few reasons uh, for that. One, uh, from Justin's standpoint, I feel like he can make our tight end room better in regards to the passing game. I'm really pleased with you know what we've done at the tight end position as well the last couple of years and uh, congratulations to Jody excited for him to get a head coaching opportunity at uh, Murray State place that's near and dear to me that I spent a lot of time at growing up uh, but Justin gives us the ability to take his knowledge of the passing game his knowledge of passing game fundamentals playing out in space which is what we do with our tight ends a lot anyway it allows us to take that knowledge and that ability and be able to take that to the tight end room and get them better in the passing game uh, also. And uh, that's something that, I, as I looked at, we need to be better in the passing game as well, the tight end position, and, and feel like we will be. Uh, I think it's great. Per, uh, for, and from my standpoint, I feel like it's a really good move for Justin and his career also. It helped me as a coach when I coached multiple positions. It helped me to grow. When I went from here at South Carolina before coaching like outside linebackers my first year, corners my second year, and I want to say safeties or spurs or whatever but my title was my third year. It helped me grow as a coach. When I was at Mississippi State, I coached defensive backs or corners the first two years. I coached uh, uh, running backs my last year at Mississippi State. When I went to the University of Georgia, I'd never coached tight ends in my life. 
and it forced me to really grow as a coach. And if Justin has goals outside of here, which I know he does, the best way to me to be able to take that next step as a coordinator, head coach, whatever it might be, is to continue to grow, you know, your resume and your responsibilities and tight end position is an awesome position to coach because it's the one position on the offense you're involved in the passing game you're involved in the running game protections and it really forces you to grow so I'm excited for his ability to help our tight end room be better in a lot of ways and and, and his ability to connect with the young men and build relationships will help that tight end room as well with so many new faces and and then we got a lot of new faces in our wide receiver room also and we've done some good things at the receiver position the last three seasons but I feel like we can be even better in that wide receiver room and believe that James is the guy that can help us. Uh, got a lot of new faces. We have a new receivers coach and it's kind of a fresh start for a lot of those guys in there. We got a lot of young players that we have to develop and get on the field quickly. And uh, uh, J- James coaching wide receivers and Justin coaching the tight ends best helps us do that as well. Um, really pleased with where we are through our first two weeks of 2024 in regards to the school year. Uh, the, the start that our guys are off on, off academically, too. And then in the weight room as well, we're two weeks in with Coach uh, Day and our strength and conditioning staff. Pleased with the new freshmen that are here. Pleased with the transfers that have come in. They're great people. I know we'll have a media availability for those new transfers here soon. I'm eager for you to, to meet them. Uh, but there's, it's very evident. We've had two or three team meetings and some stuff out on the field with them already in addition to what they're doing in the weight room. And it's very evident there's a, uh, there's a maturity and a, and a hunger with this group. Uh, there was already with the people that were returning off last year's team. And it's, the maturity has increased and the hunger has increased with the guys that we've brought in to the program as well already with the freshmen and the transfers also. So it's a, it's a neat group. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. There's no question about it, but really pleased with what we've done the first couple weeks and, and uh, got a couple more weeks on the road recruiting and then we'll fully be involved you know, with the team as coaches. And, and we're still involved right now, but not to the degree that we will be once we get off the road in February. So that's kind of an update on where things are right now. Uh, glad to take some questions here before these other guys come in. You're throwing me off, Rick, being over there. It's like, I'm not, I'm, somebody take your seat. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if this was a new 2024 or, or what this was going to be, your new location. Mm-hmm. Shane, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, first, uh, do you have a date for start of spring practice and spring game? We do. Um, I don't have that in front of me right now. We're starting spring practice. If you want to look at the academic calendar, we have spring break here. We typically start right after spring break. Um, Again, like I said earlier, always kind of looking to see how we can be better. Felt like the best thing for us was to come back off spring break, give our guys a week in the weight room to kind of ramp up and get ready for spring practice the following week. So the week after spring break, we come back from spring break, we have a week of workouts, and then we're going to start the following Tuesday, whatever that day is. It's the middle of March. And then the spring game is – uh, next to last Saturday in April. Sorry, I should have all the 20th. There you go, the 20th. And then a couple updates, old guys. Uh, Trey Moore, there was a report out today about his status for next year, said he might be medically retiring. And also, I'm sorry, Trey Jones. Trey Jones. And uh, is Ja'Kai Moore, uh, what's his status? Uh, Ja'Kai is great. Uh, here, working out, looks great, doing well, excited, and and um, eager to get going. Uh, Trey is working through some things right now. Um uh, started out workouts with us last week and, and 
taking a little bit of time right now to kind of figure out what's next for him. And uh, everything's fine. It's nothing, you know, uh, concerning. He's just thinking through some things about the, what, the, what the next step is for him in regards to his uh, football career and, and uh, something that we're working through right now, but we're in constant communication with. Shane, I know that, you know, from a fan base standpoint, they see Gilbert Edmond coming back to South Carolina and obviously with the transfer portal, this is something that, you know, it's not unique. Uh, we've seen that actually, you know, former Gamecock player that went back to his old college. I bring that up because obviously this is the first case. Can you kind of share with us what went into that thought process? And I know you talked about in the past, you know, this is something that it's a business decision. But again, now that it's finally here, kind of just talk us through that. Yeah. Um... That was one that I didn't anticipate having a decision to make on. Um, I got word, I guess, so whatever it was, a week ago Friday or two weeks ago Friday that Gilbert had an interest in coming back into this program. I think every situation is different, Mike. I'm never going to let this be a situation where, hey, you guys leave, and if it doesn't work out where you are, come on back. It's, it's not like that at all. And I told our team that I'm not going to let this become a precedent where you just try your hand somewhere else and then come on back if it doesn't work out. Uh, something that I thought long and hard about because of that very reason. I talked to starting on Friday night of that weekend. I talked to Gilbert, and we had a good long conversation. Uh, I talked to probably seven or eight of the – older guys on this team, leaders on this team, to get their thoughts on what they thought as well. I talked to some of the staff members that I trust. Not, I trust them all. Some of the staff members that would have a dog in that fight that, you know, kind of see where their thoughts were on things. And um, thought a lot about it and went back and forth, I'll be honest with you. But in the end, my job is to always, you know, you guys have heard me say it a million times, do what I think is best for the football team. And there's some guys, Mike, I'll just be completely honest, that have left the program. If they called and said they wanted to come back, it would be a heck no pretty quickly. And that wasn't the case with Gilbert. And it goes back to why he left our program to begin with. He handled it the right way when he left. Was I ticked off that he left? Yes. Was I disappointed? Yes. Was I happy? Not at all. But he handled it the right way, and I understood the reasons why. And sure, NIL, I'm sure, was involved. All right. But also, what people don't realize is, you know, Gilbert's from Florida. His parents are getting up in age. I think his dad is 71 years old. And it was a situation with him where he really felt like he needed to get back closer to home. And I understood that. I didn't like it. And I think there were other things going on. I'm not naive. But he handled it the right way. We had the right, we had the, respectful conversations when he left here last year about why he was thinking about leaving. And when I talked to him, he was very, um, I don't want to say remorseful, but he was very eager about getting back here. And I tried to paint as ugly a picture as I could, that there's going to be guys in that locker room, Gilbert, that probably are mad that you left and it's going to take some time to rebuild that trust with them. And he was adamant about wanting to. I said, Emory Floyd's wearing number eight, so you're not going to get number eight, and I don't have any like cool number I can give you. And he said, give me 55. 55 is what they gave me when I started out as a player here as a freshman, and I want to come back and finish what I started. I said, 
I don't know what, in, what you were making from an NIL standpoint at Florida State, but you ain't getting anything remotely close to that here. Like, if you're coming back here, it ain't going to be because of NIL reasons, and it's not. Uh, I said, you, that room is different than the one that you left. The only two guys in that edge room that you still know are Terrell Dawkins and Brian Thomas. Everyone else is new, and it's a, it's a probably a better group than the one you left last year. So you're going to have to compete to even earn a role. And he said, Coach, I just want the opportunity to come back to South Carolina to finish what I started back when I was a freshman. And the more and more I thought about it, you know, he was a great young man when he was here. There were no issues here as far as misbehaving, showing up on lists. He did what he was supposed to do. He was popular on this team. And I felt like it was an opportunity to make our team better with a guy that was a good player and good person when he was here. And I also think, Mike, probably the biggest thing, it makes a hell of a statement about our program, a hell of a statement about our program that you hear a lot of these guys that they leave here for different reasons and they want to go home. He went home. He went home to the state of Florida. He went undefeated. He won a conference championship. And all that wasn't enough. He said, I want to come back to Columbia, South Carolina, because I realize now that the grass isn't always greener. And I realize now what a special thing that we have at South Carolina is. And I want to give up because he's probably going to be a starter down in Tallahassee this next upcoming season. I'm willing to give that up to come back to compete for a role. So sorry for the eight-minute answer, but um, that was my thinking on that one, and that's why he's back. And he got up and talked in front of our team a couple weeks, or about a week ago when he came back in a team meeting, and and he's working hard to re-earn their trust, the ones that, you know, that, that he may have lost it from, and, and uh, he, he's on the right track to doing that. So anything else? Sorry. I, okay. <laughs> Oh, tough one to follow up, I guess. Yeah, no, I feel like I need a break and sit down for a second after that. What you got? Yeah, take your time. Uh, quarterback position, uh, you've obviously added a couple of new mm -hmm. guys since we last saw you. What What do you think is going on with that room now with, with the new additions and where are things headed moving forward? Yeah, we've increased the competition. When I look, and we haven't been out, we haven't practiced yet, but just looking at everything from an overhead view right now, Hale, I feel like every position on our team – we are better than what we were when we played Clemson in the last game. When you just look at talent level, the depth, and the experience, you name it. Um, the quarterback position is the one that you could maybe say, okay, that's not necessarily the case uh, because of inexperience and just not a lot of depth. And that was a major problem when we started in January. It's gotten better here in the last couple of weeks being able to bring in Davis and, and Robbie both as well to increase the competition. I said it the last time I was in here, you got all these quarterbacks that they or anybody, they want to be guaranteed starting jobs. And we weren't willing to do that because two value two core values in this program are trust and competition. And if I tell somebody something that's not true, well, I've violated one of our core values. And if I tell somebody that they're guaranteed a starting job, then I've evaluated or I I uh, uh, violated the core value of competition so that's what that is we got two guys in here that were promised the opportunity to come in to come in and compete they're both guys that have started quarterback started at the quarterback position in power five games uh two good young men that you know will make that room better so we've increased the increased the competition we've increased the depth every team has you know in college football a target number of guys that you want to have on scholarship at each position. And if you say Luke Doty's a receiver primarily right now, we started the month of January with two, Lenoris and Dante Reno. 
and we knew we got to get some we got to increase the depth in here you know because uh, most teams want to have at least four sometimes five quarterbacks on scholarship so those two guys uh make us better and eager to 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 get going with them you know more once we're able to get off the road recruiting hey shane you can't uh you you can't know or stop an nfl team from making a mega million dollar offer at one of your coaches but do you feel like you're wrapped up with the coaching changes and the new hires as as we get ready for spring oh man you never say never pete because i was on spring break last year driving to the airport with my wife in what was that the second week of march and i'm about to get on a plane and go to mexico for a week and i get a call from the baltimore ravens wanting to talk to sterling lucas in march so i think I love the NFL, God bless them, but their hiring processes are maybe great for the people in the NFL. I don't know. They're not great if they try and hire college coaches because a lot of these guys, they don't get a job till after the Super Bowl or right around the Super Bowl, and then you know they go to the combine or whatever, and then it gets to be late February, March, and they're trying to hire coaches. Um, so February is still a time where – where NFL teams are trying to hire coaches, but I believe so. I mean, I never want to stop a guy from being able to advance his career, but, you know, that was part of the reason that there was an extension with Sterling as well. That's kind of going back to last year because there were multiple NFL teams that reached out to him. Uh, again, our guys, you know, want to be here and and want to make sure they understand too that, you know, once we get off the road and we have signing day and it's a long weekend to kind of catch our breath as coaches, our obligation is to our football team, so we don't need to be out job hunting when we get into the the end of February. You know, that's our staff, and and, and we're moving forward at that point. And I feel like our guys want to be here. We got some great coaches on this staff that I'm sure will have opportunities. So you never say never. But uh, we got a group that's hungry and, and eager, all out on the road right now, and eager to get going with our team too. Yeah, coach. I did want to follow up on Sterling Lucas's extension. How important is it to keep him and at South Carolina? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that too with Sterling was going back to um, conversations from last spring, if you will. You know, with some of the NFL teams that were reaching out to him after the you know the season ended. We played Notre Dame in the bowl game. We had I think all of our coaches were extended at that point, and and then we had some other stuff that came down the line after that with Sterling as well. So it was conversations that he and I started last March uh, about that, and. It, the news last week was a kind of a culmination of that, but huge. He's done a, um, like all of our coaches, he's done a great job in so many areas, uh, but from a recruiting standpoint, obviously was heavily involved with Nicholas Harbor last year. I was heavily involved with Dylan Stewart, with Desmond, you know, all those guys up there in that DC area. He's done a great job. He works his butt off uh, his knowledge of defense, you know, from coming from the NFL and just relationships with players and, help with special teams he's been he's been really really good so love having sterling here and and uh, and all these guys as well whether it be travian clayton torian you know on defense and then our guys on offense as well the two you're going to meet today dal and then uh, justin and lonnie as well you talk about the experience these two new additions to your staff are bringing in but on top of that it's specifically sec experience mm -hmm. they're bringing in when you're hiring these guys going back to even previous coaches you seem to have picked a lot of guys who have sec experience is yeah. that a huge importance to you or just kind of an added bonus it's an added bonus but uh, it's definitely important without a doubt uh there's nothing like recruiting in this level at this level but especially in the sec i mean it's um you know you're recruiting the best of the best and 
and the best players in the country, and you're recruiting against the best teams in the country also. So when you've won those recruiting battles, when you've been in those recruiting battles, it's definitely a um, it's definitely a bonus. So for those two guys, um, like I said, Mark Wells' reputation that I had that I knew of him was as a recruiter, uh, but then also his ability as a coach. And then I saw Coley James at Miami, excuse me, at, at uh, Georgia, what he did as well. So I knew those guys could win those battles. And but at the same time, you get guys in there like. You know, Sterling had never recruited at all when we hired him from the NFL, and he's been a you know awesome on the recruiting trail. So it's about relationships and connecting with young men and competing. That's what recruiting is. But when you can hire someone that has won those battles at the highest level, it's absolutely a bonus. I know it's not done yet, but you guys have added almost as many transfer portal kids as any school in the country. Did you? go into this offseason expecting 20 to more guys would, would join your program? No, uh, and it's not, you know, ideally what I would do every single year. I was, um, I was at Lexington High School earlier today visiting with Coach Curtis over there, and that's one thing that he and I were talking about was that I would love to be able every year the, the, the bulk of your roster is made up of high school guys and – you're using the portal here and there. I mean, that would be the ideal way. F- fact of the matter is, um, you know, I got hired in, that, in 2020, and that signing class wasn't a very big signing class. It was the guys that Coach Muschamp had committed that I honored that commitment and signed them all. And there have been some great players in that group, Juju McDowell and TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett. But then there were some other ones that, you know, didn't quite have the career here that they wanted and, and maybe have left for different reasons. And then, you know, the following year was a class where that because of the dead period, Jordan, they weren't a, we weren't able to see any of those guys in person until June. So I got hired in December. June was the first time that I could ever lay eyes on anybody that we were recruiting. It had just been on Zoom at that point. And so it made the evaluation process tough. So really, I feel like that class, the last two years are the two classes that we've really poured into, we developed relationships with over multiple years, and you hopefully can continue to lay foundations like I feel like we have with the last two classes where the bulk of your team is from high school and you're not relying on the portal so much year after year. That wasn't realistic for us after this past season because of some guys that you know left our program for different reasons. Um, some we knew were going to happen and understood. Some were frankly surprises. But when your roster, you lose some spots at different positions, you've got to replace them. And particularly at positions where you're young, a lot of times the easiest way to do that is the portal. So the last co- there was a lot more portal activity this season than maybe we normally would like. I think every single year is different. But if you can develop your roster maintain your roster and then use the portal when needed to me that's the ideal way of doing it but as I've said before the guys that we have added I'm really excited about because they've they've brought a a maturity to the group they've played a lot of football we're very intentional about the people that we bring into this program and making sure that they fit with the guys already downstairs in that locker room and and um, really have a good feeling about this group and their ability to do that also. Shane, with you and James both coaching, 
Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We're just you're getting good, the order where we're going right nah, up there. Good. Um, All right. <laughs> with you and James both coaching, you know, on offense at Georgia, you know, how closely were you guys working together on a day-to-day basis? And then, you know, with you guys being there for two years together, what were some of the things you kind of picked up or learned from him, you know, over your time there? Yeah, we worked closely together. Um, you know, that staff was – Jim Chaney was the offensive coordinator, and Del McGee was the running backs coach. Dell's still over at Georgia, and then Sam Pittman was the offensive line coach. James was the receivers coach, and I was the tight ends coach. You know, so I felt like I worked with Sam and James both a lot. Sam in the run game because I was coaching tight ends, and I was working closely with the offensive line, and then James in the passing game just because you know our tight ends were involved in the passing game. So we worked. Uh, I feel closely together. I was the special teams coordinator, and he was very involved with our special teams as well. So we worked closely together that way. Our offices were right next to each other, you know, so spent a lot of time um, with him just because we were the two guys that were kind of down there at the end of the hallway away from everybody uh, as well. So we spent a lot of time that way. I'd say the things that stood out is just his one, um, the energy that he coaches with on the field and off the field. You know, I mean, he had a room with some really good players at, at Georgia. Nicole Hardman was in there and Riley Ridley and Javon Wims and Terry Godwin and Tyler Simmons and whoever else. I know I'm forgetting people, but guys that were on that team when we won the Rose Bowl and played for the national championship, he did a great job with those receivers, young, old, uh, different skill sets, and put a lot – probably the thing that stood out to me the most was just the amount of time that he invested in them, whether it be them individually getting ready for a wide receiver meeting. I mean, he spent a lot of time preparing for that meeting and it was a production uh, on the field, just the energy that he coached with um, and just managing that room. That's, those are the things that stood out and, and he, um, you know, give him credit. I mean, one thing that stands out is he, in the Rose Bowl, if you guys remember, at the end of the first half, Oklahoma scores a touchdown. They squib kick on the kickoff, and a um, guy on the front line of the kickoff return team for us at Georgia, uh, Tay Crowder, Tay grabs the ball, gets down. We have enough time to potentially run another play and then kick a field goal to go into the half. And Coach Cheney was our offensive coordinator. He had already come down from the press box when Oklahoma scored, so there's nobody there to call the play. So James, you know, he's kind of the next guy up because he's been a coordinator. James called the play, which was a little sprint out over there on our sideline to Terry Godwin to get out of bounds and then brought our kicker in and kicked the field goal. So just things like that as well. I mean, he's been a coordinator. He's called plays. He called a big one there, kind of in an emergency type situation and and um, eager for – and, and – eager for him to get he's here but eager for him to get into that staff room and get going and you want to make sure that you know Dow has a good relationship with those guys also and he when I brought up the idea of James coming in I mean Dow was all for it and Dow had coached to talk to some people at A&M that he knew and they raved about James and we were out recruiting yesterday we left here early yesterday morning and got back about dinner time just the three of us in the car and that's going to be a good relationship those two guys I mean there were a lot of laughs yesterday and a lot of you know shared experiences also. John, yeah. sorry, Steve, stealing your thunder. <laughs> on, on the quarterback position, could you uh, estimate how many names you scratched off the list just because guys wanted to uh, to be promised something or guaranteed something? And, and also with Robbie, um, what, what traits beyond just experience that he has, what traits uh, on the field do you like about him and with how he fits into the offense? 
quarterbacks that we scratched off, my number would probably be lower than what Dow could give you because he was the one that was actively reaching out to quarterbacks, at least ones that got on my radar that this guy might have an interest in coming to South Carolina as a quarterback. Uh, probably five to seven you know, that we were interested in that showed a little bit of interest in us. And then it got to that conversation where am I going to be the starting quarterback? Well, you can compete for it. And they, well, so-and-so at this school or so-and-so at this school, they're promising me that I can be the guy. Well, more power to their, their coaches and that I hope they can manage their locker room when all those other quarterbacks know that this guy was promised a starting quarterback job. I don't know. They're I don't know. So good luck to them. I got my own locker room to worry about. So that's how we did things. Dow's number would probably be, I don't know, more than that. And we, you guys know it's been publicized. We brought some guys in here on visits, some quarterbacks that are great young men and wish them well and certainly understand their decision making in that. It's only one of those guys on the field at a time and you want to go somewhere where you can play and you got one chance to get it right. So I get it. I'm not knocking them, but some great guys we got to talk to, but eager, excited about the ones that are coming here. And in regards to Robbie specifically, uh, size, you know, he's a big kid. Just seeing him in person, big young man. He's got size, um, athleticism. You turn on the tape, you see his ability to run. He can run. He's got speed. He's got size. Um, he's played SEC football as well. I and mean, he started games in this league as well. And then really the thing that sold me is I didn't know him at all until he came on the visit, but just spending time with him and his mom, he's a – First-class young man, you know, high energy, always has a smile on his face, uh, wants to compete, willing to help those other quarterbacks, you know, whatever his role is, um, and, and is eager to get to work. Thank you. Perception is, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, NIL money's been flying around out there across the country in both the portal and regular recruiting, and then NCAA hits Florida State with penalties. What's the message you think coming from that action for, for coaches and staffs as you go through this process? Yeah, uh, continue to do things right. Uh, saw what happened down there. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm sure there was I – I haven't read exactly what happened. I mean, I saw what happened, but I haven't really dove into the case. Uh, you've heard different things on that, but I don't know. But I think the message is just continue to, to do things right. And, again – NIL is, is a great thing. Nobody's against it. Want our players to be able to capitalize on their name, name image, and likeness as, as, much as, they, as much as they can. But there's also rules that are in place, and make sure you're following those rules, which is no different than what we always do here uh, at South Carolina.